Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Monday, if such a thing exists. Today, I come to you with a speculative story. Some of you might have referred to coverage by commentators in the Catholic media as even tabloid-type story. I, I don't think that's what this is. You, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, know that we avoid the tabloid, hyper-speculative nature of some of the other channels, or we try to anyway. I figured this is worthy of your attention. At the Nymphenburg Palace in Munich on January the 18th, two days ago, to mark the 95th birthday of Benedict XVI, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, whatever you want to call him, Archbishop Georg Gonswein, who has a special relationship with Benedict, that of his, his personal secretary and longtime friend, We'll go into Gonswine a little bit more later. He gave a short address in Nymphenburg, and in the course of this short address, he broke into bitter tears, bitter sobbing, weeping tears, three different times, and had to stop his short address about Pope Benedict XVI three separate times, each for 20 to 22 seconds of pausing. I'll show you that video in a short second. But first, I want to just make a couple distinctions. First, the reason, judging by the spot in his speech at which he broke down, that he broke down, is evidently the retirement of Pope Benedict XVI, which remains, I don't care who you are, any side of the church, left, right, middle, beneplenist, I don't know, set of a contest, Catholic that repudiates beneplenism and, and set of a contism, the retirement of Benedict XVI now from nine and a quarter years later is odd. Nine and a third years later. It's very odd. It's very unexplained, and we have not got but a fraction of the story. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of the three breakdowns in this speech. And I'm going to play you the thing. I'm going to tell you basically what he's saying because it's in German. I don't speak German. Many of you also don't speak German. And parish orphans and retrogrades, I'm going to break into four and I think exhaustively four possible rationales for breaking into bitter weeping tears that there could exist in the plausible universe of meaning, the plausible universe of interpretation. There are only four reasons. What caused Archbishop Georg Gonswein's tears? First off, I, I want to make a, a few announcements, but I just want to remind you who Georg Gonswein is. He is a German prelate of the Roman Catholic Church, serving as prefect of the papal household and as a kind of boss prefect of the papal household, he served as personal secretary to Benedict XVI. Now, he serves still two duties. He works in the papal household under Francis, but after 9 p.m., he moonlights as the continued special secretary to retired Benedict XVI. He's a professor of canon law at the University of Holy Cross, one of the seven pontificals universities in Rome, uh, Santa Croce. Many of you don't know this, but that is a 
an Opus Dei affiliate, the way the Greg is Jesuit and uh, Angelicum is Dominican, Santa Croce is Opus Dei. And I, I met a few times with Father Bob Gall there in their cafeteria. They have a famed good menu on the cafeteria at Santa Croce. That's where Gonswine is a professor of canon law. And he's held the titular position, as uh, papal household prefects often do, of Archbishop of Urbs Salvia since 2012. He is as inside a man as inside men get when it comes to the Benedict pontificate, particularly the end of it. A few brief notes before we'll sort of get granular in our approach to this thing. Uh, Gonswine had said he's known about Benedict's plan to resign for quote-unquote quite some time beforehand and had attempted to change Benedict's mind, saying later that the news felt like quote, an amputation. Ouch. It's hurt all of us, but uh, only gorgeous George Gonswine, as he's sometimes called, feels like an amputee, right? He's had, he's had a limb removed by this painful resignation of Pope Benedict XVI. On the first anniversary, that's where he, he made these remarks, and he said this also, the first anniversary of the resignation of B16. I am certain, indeed convinced, that history will offer a judgment that will be differ, different than what one often read in the last years of Benedict's pontificate, because the sources are clear and clarity springs from them. Hmm. In 2016, he said that uh, Vati leaks or other issues had, quote, little or nothing to do with Benedict's resignation. Hmm. Gonswine said that Francis and Benedict are not two popes in competition with one another, but represent one expanded Petrine office with an active member and a contemplative one. This one's been batted around by Bennett Plenis of all sorts, sometimes repudiated. I've never thought fully repudiated. I am definitely not a Bennett Plenis, but this remains out there, open to the field of possible interpretive meaning. He said that Benedict has, had not abandoned the papacy like Celestine V in the 1200s, but rather sought to continue his pontificate in a more appropriate way given his frailty, and that therefore, from 11 Feb 2013, the papal ministry is not the same as before. It is and remains the foundation of the Catholic Church, and it is yet a foundation that Benedict XVI has profoundly and lastingly transformed by his exceptional pontificate. Well, how has he transformed it? It was a short pontificate marked by, I don't know, a blocked wish, a failed project, a fool's errand, right? Wanting to defend the traditionalists, like yours truly, more roundly, more squarely, more fully, but, but doing too little too late. You know, the reform of the reform never really happened. What little amount of headway he made was more than overcome by Francis. Francis undid it plus 100 yards to undo the very meager, very cautious reform of the reform that Benedict had undertaken in his already short pontificate. Uh, Francis's pontificate is already longer than Benedict's now. So that's who Garagonswine is. He's sobbing. I don't, I don't mean a few manly tears choked back or sniffled, perhaps not choked back, during a nostalgic address 
over, you know, in, in a, I guess an emotional topic, the retirement of his boss. But bitter weeping tears that broke his speech, that fragmented it uh, and stopped it altogether for at first 22 seconds, then according to Gloria TV, then 20 seconds after he starts back up for a short while, then 22 seconds again after he started back up after that. Let's look at the sentences that he was attempting to choke out uh, as he broke into these three pauses. We'll do that over the course of this show, and then we'll analyze the four, what I've taken to be, only possible rationales and justifications for such tears that exist under the sun, in the universe of all plausible construction. But first, I want to remind you parish orphans and retrogrades for the last time, the last possible time, before this next project is undertaken, that tomorrow begins a very exciting new chapter of being a Patreon member of my channel and my work, Timothy J. Gordon. Go to the Patreon page, become a patron today, because... Tomorrow is the first meeting of our first book club, the Father Elijah Reading Group, which will convene once per week, starting tomorrow. Yes, it's the first day of summer. Yes, that is intentional. It will not typically be Tuesdays, but the first day of summer is always a very big day to yours truly, because I love the season of summer. And I typically, since I've been a philosophy student below these last 15 years of my life, on and off, I don't have time to read fiction from August to May. But from May to August, I have time. And I've spent the last month and a half reading, uh, actually almost two full months, reading Windswept House on a reading group with my pal, quite frankly, on his channel. And we're beginning a Father Elijah reading group, the only Catholic novel that I think outshines Windswept House tomorrow. Then it'll be Fridays thereafter, Fridays at about 8.35 p.m. CST. Windswept House Reading Group went a couple extra weeks long. That's why we're going to miss this Friday, but we will meet for the first time tomorrow. In order to join us, you have to be a patron. So go to Timothy J. Gordon, Patreon, go to my page, become a member, $5 patrons and up will be eligible. It's a really good deal. If you're already a patron, just because you like the great material you get here, the great content, the great books, the great articles and commentary, then um, don't miss the opportunity. The people that aren't going to miss this are those who joined just for the book club. But if you're a long-standing patron member, don't overlook this. Please, everyone join up. It's going to be great fun. The Windswept House group has been dynamic and I expect Father Elijah to be dynamic as well. It's the only Catholic book I've ever read about the, the Catholic world. Catholic global politics, geopolitics, Luciferian politics within the church that I think outshines Windsor House. Become a patron today. That's how you support this channel. You know, we have been addled and a, a little bit shook at times over the last year by some of the scandals that arise within Holy Mother Church and attack its faithful sons and daughters. Steph and me here, and oh, someone just became a patron now. Very cool. Uh, Miss uh, Jennifer, that's, that's very, very hip. <laughs> very with it. Yeah, but this is the best way to support us. We've, we've had a, been, a, been an odd six months, 
and I've been at this for nigh on four years now. It's an interesting ride, and it's a great way to provide for a fam, and it's a great way to provide for a larger fam because um, my background in, in law and philosophy for, evidently furnishes something of, of worth, and this channel does something no other channels do. 50-50, Aristotelianism, Thomism, constitutional politics, analysis under those sort of triplicate lenses of uh, the news, though it's, news isn't only what we do. You know what we do. Anyway, become a patron today. That's the best way to support us, along with buying our books, which have been a source of conflict. Steph's book now is self-published. You can go get that on timothyjgordon.com. Ask Your Husband, the second edition, beautiful new cover. You know the whole story there if you watch this channel regularly. We, we came out with a second edition and it, it wound up being a very good thing. You can get a signed copy for $30 on timothyjgordon.com. Now, if you're overseas and you buy from us directly because we're not the Amazon Leviathan, um, then, then email us. If you've already purchased, then email us from overseas. There is no media mailer rate, so we have to, we have to square up with those purchasing from Australia and New Zealand in particular. Whew. It's expensive to get you your books. If you've... If you, purchased a signed copy and you haven't received it, please email us and we'll talk. But everybody else, particularly Lower 48, Hawaii, Alaska, send us, uh, contact us if you want a signed copy of Ask Your Husband for the same price you get the book on Amazon today and you get a signed copy from Miss, Mrs. Stephanie Gordon herself. Also buy The Case for Patriarchy. I've plugged Steph's book more than mine. Same topic, different author, different perspective. God bless you guys. Also, you know the deal. The Luciferian politics that govern not only the globe, but even the United States at this point in our history dictates that you need to be in a true, small Christian republic. That can be your state if you're in the right state. The big Luciferian blue states like New York and California do not act like republics, but if you get to a place like Mississippi or Alabama or Florida, even though it's a big one, it's more like having a republic, a rest publica with other good people. Go to realestateforlife.org. You know why. Because it's good Catholic, usually, always pro-life people that are going to help you to get this large headache of a hassle of a move out of the way. Get it done in the summertime. Get it done before the midterm elections realestateforlife.org. You know we believe it. It's a major project of this channel, subsidiarity. That means you get around people that you share a value system with. Okay, so Nymphenburg Palace two days ago in Munich on June the 18th to mark the 95th birthday of Benedict XVI. Archbishop Gerganswein breaks down into bitter weeping Ugly crying, as the ladies say, right? Ugly crying where he has to interrupt his own speech three separate times. There's a first stretch. I'm going to play it for you, if, uh, Steffi, we could cue that up. Where first he'll, he'll sob for 22 seconds. He probably wasn't expecting to. Uh, staggers on, recovers himself a bit, makes another remark. Sobs for about 20 seconds. 
This is according to Gloria TV. I'm using their estimates. This is where I got the, the video. And then staggers on, you know, kind of recovers and starts again, stops again for 22 more seconds. That is the mark. I'm going to play you a two-minute video. It's in German. We're not playing it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what he's saying, more or less, even though I don't speak German. But about half of the, the, the length, half of the duration of the vid I'm about to play is silence. Ironically, you're listening for the silence. And it's important to recognize what sets off the crying. Now, after we play this and we, I, I tell you what, what particular remark he was make, making each of the three times that he breaks down, then I'm going I'm to walk you through four plausible interpretations for these tears. Nostalgia, crying over a health retirement, qua health. Uh, number three, is Benedict imminent to death? Is death imminent for Benedict, I should say? And number four, is death imminent for Francis, which could plausibly elicit this response for reasons I'll discuss. Those are the only four plausible reasons. And I'll show you why some of them are vastly less realistic than others. Now, really quick, Gonswine's talk, I'm reading from the Gloria TV short article, Gonswine's talk went according to plan until he turned to Benedict's resignation and the aftermath. Say, he's not talking about Dr. Dre's second album, right? <laughs> talking about the aftermath of the resignation, um, saying the following, I would never have believed that the last stretch of road from the Monastero Mater Ecclesiae, from, from I guess, um, Benedict's, he's saying it in an ornate way, Benedict's pontificate, to the door of heaven of St. Peter, dot, 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 and then he gets choked up. He could not finish the sentence because... He suddenly broke into sobs and had to interrupt his talk for 22 seconds. Do we want to play that here? That's, that's what he's saying. And we, yeah, so we'll... Ich hätte nie geglaubt, dass die letzte Wegstrecke vom Monastero Mater Ecclesiae bis zur Himmelstür des Heiligen Petrus Twenty-two seconds of this silence. Let it let it play out till he starts talking again, please, Steady. Once he starts talking, we'll stop. So now he regains composure a little. He gains a little composure, and yeah, remember the first thing that set him off was this proposition, personalized subjective proposition. I would never have believed that the last stretch of road from the Monastero Mater Ecclesiae to the door of heaven of St. Peter, then he cried. You just heard him cry for 22 seconds. Ugly crying. Um, and remember, what he's saying is he can't believe Benedict's last stretch of road has taken on the characteristic of exiled retirement. When he breaks into this first sobbing silence you just heard okay it, it's uh, he doesn't say the word exiled retirement i'm filling in the gaps i want to be really clear about where i'm doing a bit of speculative reasoning but that's what he's saying because when he says i would never believe that the road would would end up like this 
I, I just didn't think this was the road we were on. I was part of the team. I was, I was the main supporting cast. I was pipping to Benedict's Jordan or something like that. You know he feels this way whether or not you agree. And, and, and he has reason to. Okay? Okay, then he begins again with, uh, I'm going to translate for you. He says, until he'll start up again after this 22 seconds of silence, crying, until the heavenly door of St. Peter is so long. Okay, then he sobs 20 seconds. Let's hear that. Das hatten wir Benedikt XVI. in seinem feinen Humor anvertraut. Okay, we'll pause there. So he didn't get much else out. This is, I mean, we've all been there, bro. Like, when you're really upset, when you're really up against it, you're trying to struggle on. I'm not talking about fake tears where in our post-feminist society became hip for dudes to cry at their own weddings or something phony like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're addressing in a public or semi-public way. This is a packed aula, by the way. This is a packed room. Uh, you, you know, Europe in the European capitals, they have these fancier kind of greeting halls where you can give, you can stick chairs and marble everywhere and give an address. The, the Greg had a, a phenomenal aula. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Heard Gregorian chant in that thing, and it's you think you died and gone to heaven. So this is packed, but whether even if you're talking to a room full of five or six trusted confidants, and you start addressing the issue or or secondary issue that plagues you most in this life, one of the top two or three issues, you're just like, I didn't think I was going to have this catharsis. I didn't think I would experience it in your presence, gang, and. You, you carry on. This is not fake crying. This is ugly crying, which is real crying. Real crying is ugly. Doesn't happen here too often. But in this setting, it's, you struggle to carry on. And that's what Gonswine is doing here. And he only gets out. So at first he'd said, you know, I didn't think it would end this way. Kind of like Frodo and Sam saying something like this. And then he, he, he cries for 22 seconds. Now he says, until the heavenly door of St. Peter is so long. This is a spatial metaphor. I want you to know if you've never been to the Vatican, because the, the, the door to St. Peter's is long. It's about 20 feet tall. Like one foot for every second of silence in the second passage by Gonswine. Uh, it's, a tall, it's a tall door. But what if we substitute the word difficult for long until the heavenly door of St. Peter is so difficult and then the metaphor goes another direction. And he's saying, well, Benedict's, by his own account, by the account and the popular narrative of his own retirement, by his tongue, he's at the door of St. Peter by choice because he was so sick, so now he's just waiting, knocking on heaven's door. Um, well, that door of St. Peter is so long, is in long and difficult. And again, he's expressing, Gonswine is, shock or, or surprise, undue, unpleasant, unruly surprise. 
that this isn't some period of, I don't know, prayerful relaxation. It's more like an oppressed exile. That's interpretive by yours truly. But if we, I think it's very reasonable to substitute difficult for long. And um, one can only wonder what is so long or difficult about Benedict's exiled retirement. Now, I, I understand. I've been, I'm making a couple educated guesses here that it's an exiled retirement, that, that, that long means difficult. But, I mean, he is crying. Why else would he be crying? And why the hell else, parish orphans and retrogrades, would Benedict be alive nine years after he retired in a job that you're not supposed to retire from, you're supposed to die in office, not a near decade later, He's alive, and he, by all accounts, through the last five years, he's reported that he's doing better than he was when he held the office in his 80s. He was in his mid-80s, now he's in his mid-90s, and he keeps surviving. Things get stranger and stranger the longer he survives. Okay, so now he, he sobs 20 seconds, and he starts up again. What you're going to hear is the end of this second silence, and he'll start up again. And again, he only gets a sentence or two out, and he says... This is what Benedict entrusted me in his fine humor. Lots there. We'll unpack it in a sec. Let's, uh, let's hear that. Nothing to hear at first. It's just silence. Als wir einmal über die Lasten und Not des Alters und über die immer wieder aufflammende Kritik in seiner Person und seinem Wirken sprachen. Und das liegt nun schon seit einigen Jahren zurück. Auch nach seinem Rücktritt hat Benedikt auf wichtige Fragen und Herausforderungen der Zeit freimütig und überzeugend und immer im Licht der Menschwerdung geantwortet. Das war seine ureigene Sache, da fühlte er sich gefordert, diese Forderung hat er nolens, wohlens mit Bravour gemeistert und in allen Anstürmen der Welt bis in die jüngsten Tage hinein die Stirn geboten. Deshalb war das oberste Hirtenamt für ihn nicht nur Last, sondern auch Seelenfreude. Und diese Seelenfreude, die hat er sich bewahrt über alle Nöte und Enttäuschungen hinweg. Okay, so this is from Gloria TV. They, they gave us the transcript, and they're the ones that said 22-second silence from sobbing, then 20 seconds, then 22 seconds in those three increments. Uh, the way I'm hearing it now, it doesn't sync up perfectly. Maybe we played something. I've, I only heard two lengthy pauses. I heard another short one. Whatever the case, uh, German's such a weird-sounding language. No offense. We love you, German parachutes and retrogrades, but it sounds so funky to the rest of us who are non-German speakers. Um, so all I can say is this. Remember, Gonswein had said that he'd known about Benedict's plan to retire for quite some time, along with Father Ingo Dollinger from Benedict's past had said he'd known for quite some decades that Benedict wanted to do this two-part pontificate. Everyone kind of bats that away. We don't know what to make of it, or I'm not saying I'm one of the swatters away of that proverbial fly. I'm just saying I'm not a Beneplanist, so I, I don't know. But that's, that's funky. That's odd. That's outlier. And history, the way Gonswine himself insinuates strongly in, in another passage I read to you, history will adjudicate this with better eyes and better ears than you and I can. 
That, that's just a fact. History is a better adjudicator. They're going to have more facts, less emotion, less exigency. We need, you know, I mean, not we. The Beneplanists, because they're, most of them are good, faithful Catholics, and I, I know you guys get mad when I say that, but they're not the same thing as Sedevacantists. <laughs> Unless Francis retires, we're going to talk about that in a second. Then it gets ugly. But the good, faithful Catholics who just need, with the same kind of need, I think pretty much all the parish orphans of retrogrades feel, need the Francis pontificate to be null and void. That's how bad Francis has been. And, and so that, I understand it. I'm sympathetic to it. But history will adjudicate better because history will not have that need. It'll be 100 years or 200 years or 300 years of water under that bridge. Tum- very tumultuous water which isn't normally the sort that passes under bridges, right? Um, Shouldn't be. I, I just mean, so I, I don't know. Like, history will adjudicate this, and, and Gonswine, who's a smart guy, Teutonic intellect, you can tell, anytime I've ever heard him talk, he sounds smart, he sounds sharp, like Benedict. He knows that his words carry all these implications because we know that he's an insider. And we know that he's endorsed this Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger has for a long time wanted to do the two-part pontificate, an, uh, an active part and a contemplative part. And he kind of maybe got this chance because he was getting threatened. Who knows? Maybe he was being threatened by the Sangala Mafia types as far back as the 2005 conclave. No one is willing to commit to anything aside from people that maybe should be unwilling to commit to things like some of my friends, the Benny Plenis, they're, they're, they're signing on the dotted line where we don't know. But the people that are a little bit more in my camp on this are like Julia Maloney, whose excellent book, uh, I have it around here somewhere because I'm always citing it and glancing through it. Sankt Gallen Mafia, I wrote the foreword for that. We're kind of like, yeah, it looks like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Julia. But when I read her book and when I've interviewed her two or three times, she's like, yeah, it sounds a hell of a lot like at the 2005 conclave, which delivered us a, a, a Benedict XVI pontificate, there seems to have been some sort of understanding between Benedict and his enemies, Cardinal Martini and, or uh, not Oratini, Silvestrini, Oratini's his code name in Windswept House, Silvestrini et al. and all of their henchmen, that maybe there would be some retirement and maybe they kind of threatened him and like the mafia. This is just a theory. They said, hey, Plus, you know, hey, you get to escape with your life. You, you take the Petrine office for, for a while, less than a decade. Then you, uh, you hit the road. And you'll get to try out this little theory you've had of the two-part pontificate. I don't know. That's how, that's how mafiosi make threats. They make them sound nice. Protection money. That kind of thing. Pure theory. I have no... Aside from some friends that hang out in the Vatican you know, and report from there. I, I have no inside track, but I'm good at picking up these breadcrumbs and there seems to be something of this sort. Maybe it's a whole different something that we've missed that history will adjudicate better, but it's something like this. It is not just that Benedict retired. Okay, now that's why Gonswine's crying. Let's get back to the main idea here. What caused his tears? It's either nostalgia. I mean, bitter, ugly, halting tears. Tears that shut down a talk that's supposed to be quite formal. It's either A, nostalgia. B, crying over a health retirement. Qua health? That doesn't make much sense. I'll say why. C, 
imminent death Benedict six, to Benedict the Sixteenth that Gonswine knows about that we don't. Again, not so plausible. I'll, I'll explain all these in a second. Or D, imminent death to Francis or imminent health retirement for Francis. That is not pretextual, for sure. Francis is in worse shape than Benedict, gang. By all appearances, Francis is in much worse shape than Benedict. He recently canceled an Africa trip uh, just, just days ago, causing more speculation about his colon, about him unable to walk. People speculate about Biden, but he's in worse physical shape than Biden. Biden fell off a bike, but hell, he's riding bikes. Francis can't even walk. He's taken to a wheelchair the last month and a half. He canceled this trip to Africa, which is an important one. He wouldn't do that minor for minor causes. And just this morning, Megyn Kelly, I know a lot of you already have an opinion on this. Megyn Kelly reports on a family trip to the Vatican. There's unusual activity at the Vatican. Now, I don't think Megyn's the most in, uh, knowledgeable about matters Catholic. But... Let me say this, she knows how to report a story, because it's been her job for a couple decades, and she probably found, yes, the, uh, the family, uh, what, what, what's it called, the meeting, the world meeting of families is about to start, just days away from the world meeting of families. This would explain all the cardinals around the Sistine, Cha the Sistine Chapel, they're not holding a conclave yet. Yes, Cardinals in the Sistine Chapel means conclave, but he's not dead yet. That we're not doing weekend at, at uh, you know, Bergoglio's. <laughs> weekend at Bernie's, weekend at Bergoglio's. We're not doing something like that. He's definitely still alive. So, Megan might have misunderstood a couple aspects of this, why there are so many Cardinals around with the world meeting of families. I don't think she got a total, I, I don't think she's all wrong. And I know a lot of, when Megyn Kelly tweeted that just this morning, a lot of Catholics turned know-it-all. We know a little bit more about, the, you know, the, the rumor mill that's itself generated by Pope's declining health that might last a decade, like JP2. Um, but I think a more knowledgeable perspective is this is not like JP2. Francis's pontificate is not going to go 10 more years. Okay? I guarantee you that. He is coming apart physically fast. I've been telling you this the last year. An insider cardinal sounded like a lefty reported anonymously that this pontificate will not survive the year. It will not survive the calendar year 2022. Well, we are halfway through the year, folks. The, the, yes, there's always a rumor mill. I get it. There are reasons. This is not that show. But it is the fourth possible thing that could have caused Gonswine's tears. So I'll revisit this fourth one, D, in a second. But first, let me just say, nostalgia, A, the first possible factor that could have caused Gonswine's tears. Simply not plausible. Nostalgia does not cause 60 seconds of pause, bitter weeping pause, in a two-minute speech or two two minutes of speech that you're trying to get out. We, we took just the middle section of a longer speech. But half the time we're sitting there listening to silence because this is truly something plaguing the heart of Archbishop Gonswine. It's not nostalgia. Nostalgia is choking back a single manly tear 
when you think of your childhood summers swimming at the old fishing hole or uh, being a, a meddling kid solving mysteries or something with your dog, right? And you're like, oh, man. Childhood's so much better than adulthood in so many ways, right? You get your summers. You know, there's an innocence about it. There's fun about it. What fun or innocence is there to adulthood? Heavens. Um, so nostalgia does not cause bitter, ugly crying. Sorry. That's just never. You know, oh, oh, you know, I get really choked up thinking about, I don't know. The Adam Sandler movie, Hustle, for me, for me basketball held deep meaning. Uh, you know, that movie was, I was getting little, little pockets of emotion watching that movie about kind of a fail, failed or fallen basketball dreams, which is a huge part of my life, you know, through basically early adulthood. And, uh, you know, I would have been able to deliver a speech though. Let's just say that nostalgia, maybe even bitter nostalgia rather than sweet nostalgia we could divide it into two but even bitter nostalgia does not cause bitter tears sweet nostalgia not usually a single tear bitter nostalgia maybe a single tear but you could deliver a speech fine gonswine was not being halted for over a minute of this two minute segment by nostalgia no sorry bob number two theory b was he crying over a health retirement qua health we're talking about benedict no. I mean, if he gave this talk nine years ago when the retirement was a week old, maybe. And then maybe you just say, well, Benedict's only in his mid-80s, still outlived the life expectancy for males, but he's got that good Teutonic blood or whatever, whatever you were supposed to, you know, the northerly blood. Of course, the lower climbs are better for old people of uh, the Mediterranean. Whatever the case, it's not, he did not give this talk nine years ago. When the retirement was fresh, meaning that he was in the present tense concerned for the failing health of Benedict. Oh, he retired because he says his health is failing. It's already nine and a third years later. Dying in your middle 90s can, under no possible construction, be considered a tragedy. He's already outlived what we expected. And as a simple matter of verbal tense, the health retirement cannot have been a health retirement. Unless Benedict had bad doctors, which I don't believe. And even if it was, Gonswine has not got a 1985 DeLorean. He's not talking in 2013. He's talking in 2022. So he's not crying over health retirement by Benedict qua health. Benedict has already superseded, overcome, outlived, outshined the dour expectations produced in the bosom of a Benedict lover by his health retirement nine years ago. Sorry. One's out, two's out. Not nostalgia, not the health dimension of health retirement. Thirdly, now, does Gonswine believe that Benedict XVI is close, close to death? Well, he's probably got to be. What's the world record for length lived? I mean, he's middle 90s. He just turned 95. Yes, by definition, He's not a General Sherman oak tree or whatever. He's not going to live 300 years. He is close to death. But it is not a tragic death. It's also not thematically or topically conceptually related to those words he was speaking when he began to break down. Until the heavenly door of Peter is so long, Gonswide said, and broke down for 20 seconds. This is what Benedict entrusted to me in his fine humor. That sounds a bit nostalgic, yes, 
But what he's talking about is the nature of the resignation itself. The nature of the troubled, I'm going to call it exile, of Benedict itself, not plagued by the pretextual reason given. The pretextual reason given, for heaven's sakes, was what? It was that he was literally about to die, uh, uh, retiring because he didn't want to die ugly in office. He didn't want to botch the duties, even though the Petrine office is situated with the Roman Curia and all, and the dicasteries allegedly to help, even though they don't much. So, yes, Benedict is probably close to death in one way or another, but no, that's, not, that's simply not what Gonswine was talking about when he began crying. He can't believe, as I said before, Benedict's last stretch of road, the, the door of St. Peter, has the characteristic of exile. He's essentially on Elba. Tiber Island in Rome is not big enough to exile anyone, right? There's just a, a hospital there where my first daughter was born. But it's not, so they can't exile someone there. If they, if they still used Elba, you could think of Benedict as being exiled there. We don't know what his conditions of living are. We don't know if there, uh, Castel Gandolfo, he's got internet. Does he get to read the free press? Does he get to communicate? He has some comms, but with, with how many people? Can he communicate fully freely? Can he leave? How far can he take a walk? Can he walk to go get a gelato at um, Piazza Spagna? Right? Can he, can he stroll through Vatican Gardens? Can he go to the Hard Rock Cafe in Northern Rome, the, the American Embassy? Can he venture all the way to Santa Maria Maggiore, a little bit further south? So, and it's not that big of a city, by the way. I mean, I know he's not going to be walking, but can he take a little uh, metro? Yeah, Popemobile, whatever. He's not going to take the metro. Can he, take, can he do what he wants to do? We don't know because he's in exile. In one degree or another, he's in exile. And that's upsetting to Gonswine. And so it's not rationale number three. It's not that Benedict is close to death. And this is all reasoning done by Rules for Retrogrades, by yours truly. It's not nostalgia. It's not health qua health. It's not death qua death of Benedict. Now let's get to the fourth reason, where I believe we're being pointed does he believe Francis is close to death or health retirement? Real, non-pretextual health retirement. Benedict retired for health, right? Sorry, that's out. You could tell your friends. If you're Catholic and you don't have Catholic family or friends, they're like, what the hell? What, what's up with Benedict, man? We all hear about that. He's a world leader, even though we're just your waspy family or friends. You could say, obviously, it wasn't health. Obviously, it wasn't health. Doesn't mean he's still Pope. Necessarily, it doesn't mean Francis isn't Pope. Necessarily, it doesn't mean there was force or coercion. Necessarily, it doesn't mean that Benedict had had this modernistic pet theory about a two-part Petrine office. Necessarily, but it doesn't hurt any of those four things. You know, I mean, am I supposed to be the only one that says it that's not? an outright undersigner on any of those four sub-theories? I'll say it. Benedict being alive a decade later almost, 
You know, in eight months, it'll be a decade. You know, early February, not even middle February, early February, he retires. 2013. In less than a year's time, well under a year's time, eight months' time, it'll be a decade. And this guy who retired in his mid-80s was plausible because of health concerns, has lived long. That's all you need to know, and that's what we call in the law a fact of public record. Sorry, that's a big deal. Sorry, not sorry. That's a very big deal. And now when we talk about, well, why would, why would Gonswine be crying about Francis' health or death? Yeah, it's not the same thing. He's not super close to Francis. Francis, no one, no one good or faithful had high hopes for a Francis pontificate, except in the ecumenical sense where you always hope a pope is good and pray a pope is good. But okay, he's not. He's not good. He's, nothing, he's been nothing but trouble, trouble of the worst sort. I mean, I'm, this is not even rules for retrogrades being edgy here. This is just, everyone knows Francis pontificate has been the worst thing that's happened to the church since the Second Vatican Council in action. He himself says he's the culmination of that all that troublesome storm for the church. So what I think it might be here in number four, the only one I'm even semi-endorsing, is if Francis dies while Benedict's pope... Or, sorry, sorry. Whoops. Freudian slip. If I, that's not, that's, I'm not a Beniplanist, sincerely. But if Francis dies while Benedict survives... Then Bene, the Beneplanist will be stirred up with not super irrational reason because then they're going to say, look, this cardboard flimsy rationale for Benedict's retirement has been linearly, progressively getting flimsier every day, every hour that this man continues to draw breath. I've heard some of the pushback. Oh, he made a mistake with his own health. How do you do that? We're not talking about a mistaken blood work or some diagnosis, right? He didn't ever say he retired because of bad diagnosis or blood work. He said he retired because of how he was feeling. And then he tells, uh, in Last Will and Testament, he tells Sievold he's feeling better than ever. Okay? It was entirely subjective, and that just took a U-turn. So, if Benedict outlives Francis, then... Beneplanism is going to be strengthened more than it ever has been, for better or for worse. I'm not taking a stand on it. It won't be a wholly irrational strengthening, for better or for worse. And you're going to have real folks saying all Benedict then had to do is... Maybe is a kind of ratification of the will of providence. This is just what they're going to say. Now all he has to do is, with his last act of valor say oh by the way yeah i was lying before when i said i wasn't forced out of office i was lying before when i said that. and then beneplanism will will be forever vindicated and then it's going to be a real issue so it in other words the church will be thrown into a new avignon papacy slash great western schism period which is not the worst thing that's ever happened to it this is already worse than it even though this is not yet fully convincingly Avignon Papacy too. Things would get uglier for a while. 
So maybe that could explain Gonswine's tears. If Benedict outlives Francis and Megyn Kelly and everyone else in the world is reporting that Francis's pontificate might be coming to an end soon, he even had to address it earlier in this year, or you know, less than a year ago after last summer, my enemies were rooting for me to die. Well, you took nine days in what's supposed to be an outpatient surgery on your uh, colon. Supposed to be outpatient. And you can't walk, and you're in a wheelchair, and you're canceling trips, and you have what appear to be leftist cardinals anonymously telling uh, Vaticanisti that you're, you're not going to survive 2022, and you look really old, and you look really sickly, and there have been five other indications I'm overlooking. And now Megyn Kelly... Largely misunderstanding, probably just the world meeting of families at the Vatican, is saying there's a bunch of speculation. That part she probably can't get wrong because she's there, we're not. She's the boots on the ground. She's saying there is a bunch of other news that Francis is on the way out. She might not being, I don't know if she's Catholic or just semi-Catholic. She probably doesn't understand this does happen with every pontificate. But before you get know-it-all and actually on her, or actually... There's more reasons to believe it with Francis than any other pope. So, I don't know. D rationale, fourth rationale for what caused the tears of Gonswine that Francis might be close to death or health retirement, I do not find implausible. And it has to be one of these four. Unless you want to leave in a comment, I'd love to hear it. If you think there's some fifth reason. I guarantee if you think there's a fifth reason, it'll fit into one of these four. Nostalgia? No. Health retirement by Benedict, qua health, I say no. Imminent death of Benedict XVI, yes, he's going to die soon, but would that cause the tears? No. Four, it has something to do with Francis's imminent death or retirement. I think that's more likely. I don't know what else it could be. I mean, you could say, look, I guess you could say there's a fifth thing, and it's just that Benedict retired for reasons other than health. We don't know yet what they are, but they're unjust either by happenstance or by some agent, a agent of unjust injustice. I'd say, well, yeah, but that would have to be the St. Gallen Mafia in Francis. Pretty much de facto. So I'd say you, you sub-categorize that under four or D. That, that's the only possible way there could be a fifth. Why else would he start crying? I've read it to you. I played it to you. Unless you speak German... You just have to take my word, which is just Gloria TV's word, for what he said. But it sounds pretty fishy. And by fishy here, I just mean interesting. The move along, move along, nothing to see crowd of there's nothing odd about Benedict retiring, even though a pope hasn't done it in 800 years. And that was Celestine V. And that was because he was grossly incompetent. And that was early on in the pontificate. And a bunch of other reasons that do not apply to Benedict. Well, even if it were just exactly like Celestine V's resignation. Once every 800 years is interesting. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes the Catholic answers move along, move along, nothing to see here, just particularly in 2022, doesn't fit too well. It does not fit too well. It, does, it is not fitting, as Thomas Aquinas would say. The France, sorry, the Benedict resignation remains along with, I don't know, Francis's Amoris Laetitia four years later in April of 2016. 
the two biggest pieces of Catholic news in the last decade, in the last two decades. And both of them are as yet unexplained, and I fear that there's a connection between Benedict's retirement, health retirement, I'm retiring because I'm dying, and Amoris Laetitia in April of 2016. What's that conceptual bridge? It has a name. And this is, this is speculation because nothing else sticks. I, I'm not, if this is wrong, then it's wrong. I'm not even more than 50% sure it's wrong. But that conceptual bridge between the two biggest pieces of news in the last 20 years in the Catholic Church, Benedict XVI's retirement in February of 2013, I said four years, it's three years, and then three years later in April of 2016, the publication of Amoris Laetitia making teaching magisterial errors by the Pope directly himself at the whimsy of what we know is a, 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 a mafioso, Cardinal Walter Casper, a member of the St. Gallen Mafia, that conceptual bridge is the St. Gallen Mafia itself. And I don't know what to think about that. And I'm not endorsing anything officially. But we have to struggle with this or just live with it, at the very least. Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. What a strange and interesting time to be alive. Yes, it's a Chinese curse. So, The book that, there are two books that predicted this. The two best Catholic books, qua Catholic, ever written, I'm not talking about Lord of the Rings, are Windswept House, number two, and Father Elijah, number one. Both of these books predict either extreme harassment by the Pope's own cardinals of the Pope, and uh, and both of them are talking about John Paul II, They were written in 96 and 97, respectively. Either extreme harassment to the point of death threats or a forced resignation in in, uh, these two Catholic books. I'm finishing a book club with, quite frankly, on Windswept House, which predicted a resignation by John Paul II, forced by the St. Gallen Mafia, Malachi Martin, who everyone said was crazy in the 90s, which was more understanding then, more understandable then. It's, it's crazy that Malachi Martin makes more sense than anyone in the room in 2022. He is like the Alex Jones of Catholicism. Can I say that? Malachi Martin is the Alex Jones of Catholicism. He's been vindicated by the weirdness of the world in the last five years. And he predicted in his faction novel... Windswept House, he predicted a forced resignation of JP2, which did not happen. But it did happen to his closest confidant and lieutenant, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, perhaps. I'm not saying I know anything that you don't. But that's what Theory 4, explaining the cause of Gonswine's tears two days ago, points at. There's a a Gollin-type mafia in Windswept House, attempting to force the retirement of John Paul II. Similar tale in Father Elijah. I think, I think a, a more compelling tale, less about secret backroom conversations that he actually had, and more about this prophetic vision, I think given to the author of Father Elijah, 
Mr. Michael Bryan, directly by heaven. I, I honestly think that. And when we have our first book club meeting tomorrow on Father Elijah, now that Windswept House is all but done, for patrons only, join, become a patron now if you can, we will talk about why. We will substantiate in great detail why I think this is actually private revelation. The whole novel of Father Elijah. And, and then we're going to meet on Fridays after this week. And it's going to be a good time. The summer is a beautiful time to curl up with a novel or sit with your back against a, an oak tree and read a novel because most of us have other stuff, nonfiction, we have to read during the year. Become a patron today for Timothy J. Gordon. Father Elijah, Windswept House, I believe has everything to do, maybe indirectly, but definitely, with Gonswine's Tears. And I can't explain it yet, and I can't explain the ramifications and the implications and all the, the tributary of causation that contingent real-world history entails. But I can say this, I think more than nostalgia, health, death of Benedict, I think the tears of Gonswine have something very much to do with Francis, his pontificate in its beginning, and his pontificate as it comes to an end. And that's all I can say. Not exactly sure how to substantiate that. Stand by for more. God be with us. Bless you all, Deus Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.